coming at you live from Master Closet Studios. You're listening to the only podcast on the internet recording in a studio permanently disguised as a house. That's right. We're Wait. smaller on the inside. <laughs> and we... Are disguised as a house instead yeah. of a diner a stu- or whatever? Yeah. Oh, th- you know, when you point the reference out directly, well, it's more entertaining. It's the Noobs and the Hoobie. <laughs> my name is Austin. I'm the Hoobie, and these are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're, we're the noobs. noobs. And this is the podcast that's introducing a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and then discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who, who haven't. So welcome to episode number 139, covering series nine, episode 12, Hellbent. This is the one where the Doctor tells a story to Clara about Clara in which he saves Clara and then forgets who Clara is. And they stole another TARDIS. Good grief. <laughs> Y'all were trying to get me. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. I don't know. Have we mentioned on the air that you guys write those now and it's oh, yeah. and, and I'm not allowed to read them ahead of time? If we haven't, now we have. So there you go. Uh, this was story number 262, originally airing December 5th, 2015 to 6.17 million viewers. Written by, this is my favorite pair, written by Stephen Moffat and directed by Rachel Talele. <laughs> one day I'm, like I'm going to get an angry tweet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> from from at R. Taylor going, that's not how you say my name. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Keep hoping. I'm like, I'm sorry, is my Scottish accent wrong? I'm Australian. What? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, miscellaneous trivia. Corbin said, we have a lot this time. Yeah, yeah. we do. Uh, yeah. And that's fun. Uh, the Wikia marks this as the first time we've seen an interior shot of a TARDIS other than the doctor's since 1987's Time in the Ronnie. So the Ronnie was uh, another Time Lord, I believe. And mm-hmm. we, I guess we got to see the inside of, of uh, their TARDIS. I'm saying there because I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know anything about the Ronnie. Like, woman? Man? I don't know. Um, to get this, though, I realized you have to exclude the junk TARDIS. Do y'all remember what I'm talking about with the junk TARDIS? The one yeah. that he and, uh, and Sexy put together? Yeah. Yeah. So you can either... Exclude the junk TARDIS by designating designating it as one of the doctors. Yeah, right. Easy for me to say, right, Corbin? <laughs> Count that as one of the doctors' TARDIS interiors, or as not really an interior shot, <laughs> because I guess there were no walls. If there's yeah. no walls, can you have an interior? <laughs> I can mean, it be smaller on the inside if there is no inside? There's technically wasn't there like two walls or whatever, and then there was, there was at least thing. one back wall. Yeah, but I don't know if there was uh, even a second wall. But if there was, that there definitely wasn't three or yeah. four. Um, and I don't even know if there was anything like a roof. There was like the center console and a wall. So uh, now, now I'm curious whether that wall had a door because that would be so the doctor. <laughs> Make sure we have a door. Make sure that it squeaks and that it opens the wrong way. Uh, but there's no other walls. <laughs> that would be the doctor. Uh, so thanks to the cloister, uh, the cloister trapping one inside, we got to continue the tradition of having a Cyberman in every 12th episode in the Moffat era. I think we've talked about this once before. Why is this even like, this is well, so specific. One time, one time I mentioned uh, this, this is, you know, the third example of the penultimate episode Featuring a Cyberman, uh, featuring the Cybermen, right? Yeah. And 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 at the time we were talking about the Eleventh Doctor. Every time we had the second to last episode, it featured the Cybermen. Well, this go round, the twelfth episode wasn't the second to last episode; it was the last episode. Mm. So we didn't continue the tradition of the second to last episode having a Cyberman. We had the twelfth episode 
<laughs> having us. And even though you just barely, you know, we, we sort of see one uh, for a minute, not even. Just grabs Clara's arm. and then Right, right. So so away. we have successfully, uh, Moffat, whether intentionally or not, has included a Cyberman in every 12th episode of, of his seasons. This is a, a really random tradition yep, yep. <laughs> and that's why i'm that's saying like why i love it <laughs> there, it's it's so specific that you have to imagine that it was intentional but then at the same time maybe we're just yeah. finding a pattern i don't know uh you know when you when you start collating uh all of this information into something like the the tardis.wikia.com you start finding weird patterns and then the writers go yeah no we didn't intend for that to happen at all this kind yeah. of stuff happens all the time. If like you look hard enough, Star you'll Wars, Star find Trek, stuff. Game of Thrones, all this, yeah, you know, lost. People were finding patterns and meanings and symbols, and they were like, "No, that was just a random mark on the wall, yeah. or an actual hieroglyph, or whatever you thought it was." Um, how about some existential crisis? We haven't had this in a while, um, but I fell down a really weird rabbit hole thanks to the Wikia again. I clicked on the link to the page on In Space. Okay, so this happened because this episode is apparently the closest we've gotten yet to the end of the primary Doctor Who universe. Okay, so the simple way to say this is, this is the closest we've ever gotten to the end of time, mm-hmm. right? Um, we are, you know, uh, me is there left in a reality bubble, as the Doctor says, uh, that, you know, even he's curious as to how she's maintaining it, as the universe is winking out of existence all around her, right? So this is the heat death of the universe, but on a broader, you know, Wikia scale, this is the end of what they call the primary Doctor Who universe, which is called normal space or in space for short. Very creative name. Yeah. Well, there's in space and e space apparently, and um, there's e space. Yeah, there's 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 things right. Oh my gosh, that had to have come from the eighties. Uh, pro- probably. I don't, I don't know. E space. E-Space. Oh. <laughs> like if it was the early 2000s, it would have been I-Space with a lowercase yeah. I and a capital S. Um, so here's here's the existential rabbit hole that I fell down, okay? So the, I'm, I'm going to just read this quote from the Wikia. According to the 11th Doctor, the universe was born alive, but it could only become aware of itself by developing sensors across its surface known as life forms each of which suffered from a temporary delusion of separate identity during data collection, called consciousness, but in reality had little to no individual existence. And this is from the prose uh, story, The Day of the Doctor. So I don't know if that's a, that's not comic, that's more like book form. So I don't know if that's a novelization of the story that we know as The Day of the Doctor, or if it's a completely other thing (laughs) with the same title. I didn't look that far. But I was like, my brain broke. (laughs) So the universe was born alive. It's a the universe is a living thing. And all of us life forms, whether that be sentient beings or even like the dog, mm-hmm. are sensors spread across its surface to understand itself. And we have no real individual uh separate identity. We're all actually just part of the larger source. And, and, and all of this data collecting that we're doing that we call consciousness is really just relaying information back to the universe. And I was like, eh, my brain yeah. broke. I have heard, um, I know Neil deGrasse Tyson said this, but I don't remember if he was quoting somebody else, but he said that uh, human beings, so far that we know of, we're the only example of this that we've ever encountered, but human beings are the universe's way of thinking about itself. 
Eh? I guess. Eh? You getting that? You getting yeah. that? Because we're all stardust, right? We're all made of stardust. We're part of the universe. And so when we think about the universe, we are the universe thinking about itself. And this just said that in an even more, oh, and by the way, so therefore you're not an individual. You're just, yeah. you're an, essentially that makes you a neuron <laughs> <laughs> in the universe's collective brain. Yeah. So um, at any rate, on that high note right there, we'll yeah. move into the cast section because <laughs> we also had some interesting stuff with the cast. So we met, uh, the uh, excuse me, we didn't meet. We saw, again, the general. We actually saw him last in the day of the doctor. Um, he had a he had a, a fun little line where, uh, when they say are all all twelve doctors f- you know flying around right now, and he says no sir all thirteen, and the guy and and the general says thirteen. I didn't know when I had it so good, and there was like a there was a classic who connection there. I don't remember the eleventh the eleventh general. Now this is interesting. We've not dealt much with multiple incarnations of other Time Lords, okay? We've dealt a little bit with multiple incarnations of the Master, right? Because we saw we saw the, the first version of the Master that we saw. Mm-hmm. And then we had the guy who uh, was the Master but didn't know it. Y'all remember this? Where he was, he yeah. was, he was in the fob watch and then it turned yeah. out he was the, you know, he turned out to be the Master. And then we had Missy. Um, but in this, and we don't have numbers for them. Okay, but we have a definitive number because the doctor asks the general, which regeneration is this? He says 10th, which makes him the 11th general, right? And so the 11th general that we met in the day of the doctor and that begins this episode was played by Ken Bones. That's the actor who played him. He's done some stuff. Uh, (laughs) The one thing I did notice in his IMDb listing is he did a lot of Bible movies for some reason. He was in like, AD, the Bible continues. He was in the Bible, the miniseries. He was in <laughs> Exodus. Um, he was in some uh, several different Bible movies. So I don't know if like he's somehow like he's that guy, <laughs> like Charlton Heston is Moses, you know, or something. I don't know. Then we see him regenerate into the twelfth general, and we'll we'll talk in a, in a little bit about more details about that. The twelfth general was played by Tania Miller, and she was in. She played a character named Kay in Banana. And then Cucumber. And those were um, miniseries. We've actually talked about these um, one time before. Remember we had, um, oh, what was the the grunt that was the first trans actor to play a trans character in Doctor Who? Oh, and I mentioned yeah. that she was also, or that they were also the first um, trans character, to, trans actor to play a trans character in British television history, as well mm-hmm. as American television history, because of Banana, that miniseries. And I, I think yeah. Cucumber must have been a sequel follow-up miniseries or something. Those were both Russell T. Davies joints. So here, here again, we see, you know, uh, people that know people <laughs> bringing them in for, for additional roles and that kind of thing. Now, this was, this was a fun little bit about the, the general here. The general's name, which is revealed to us in like a comic book or something, his name is Kenosium. So, you know, we have the Lord President and his name is Rassilon. Yeah. And we know that the doctor has a name, but nobody knows what the name is. And, and there's that big secret. Apparently, the general's name is uh, Kenosium, which is literally Latin for Ken Bones. Nice. Osium is Latin nice. for Bones. <laughs> they named the guy Ken Bones. <laughs> That's funny. In honor of the actors. That was fantastic. We also had uh, Rassilon, uh, played by Donald Sumter. And he has played two once-off characters in Classic Who. He was Enrico Casali in an episode called The Wheel in Space. 
And then he was Commander Ridgeway in an episode called The Sea Devils. And one of them was in the 60s, one of them was in the 70s. So he was black and white and color and now in New Who, um, which was, to me was just kind of a, an interesting little yeah. um, callback there. And I don't, I don't remember, I don't think we actually see this incarnation of Rassilon again. I don't think. If you remember the last time we saw him, he was played by, uh, oh gosh, oh, I can't think of the guy's name now. I don't know. Uh, oh man, he was... Um, he was one of the stunt casting things. He was like a, a, hmm. a Bond actor, I think. One of the James Bonds. Oh. And uh, yeah, that was... So th- this was the first time we've seen this incarnation of Rassilon. And I think it's the last time. I, I, I can't... I can't say for sure, but I think so. So guys, Noobs in the Whovian is brought to you by Google Fi. Uh, for just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talks... Talks? <laughs> talks and texts. Talks and texts. You can text. get unlimited talks. All the talky talks you want. Yep. For just 20 bucks. Ziz. Bucks is. <laughs> Dollars is. Um, then it's just $10 per gig of data. On top of that, it charges you down to the megabyte. So, Trip, what do you do? You only pay for what you use. <laughs> That's right. You can add additional lines for just $15 per line for the talk and text. And then everybody shares a bucket of data and you move on with your life. Head to noobsinthehoovian.com slash fi and you can get signed up and get $20 off after your first month. So that brings it down to the checklist. Uh, name of the episode spoken in dialogue. Why does it say still no? And oh, right. Yes. Okay. So the last one was heaven sent. And that we were like, had it didn't have nothing to do with anything. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now this one though, Corbin, did you put this note? Yeah. Okay. What was your note? Here, this still had nothing to do with the episode. Okay, except it did. It did, yeah. Did it? Yeah, because he was hell bent on taking out the Time Lords, yeah. like making them pay for what they did to him, and that he went like too far. Stretch. No, that's like literally that is what it's definitely, talking about. Definitely, yeah. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> First of all, in that context, hell bent is what actually is it, a really though? stupid. Um, Whatever it's called. Is what? Uh, Hellbent doesn't make sense in that situation yes, scenario does. linguistically. What is it called? What What do you... Euphemism? Do you, Idiom? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Figure of speech? Uh, yeah, figure of speech. It's a dumb figure of speech. And, and I don't I, understand. That's the figure of speech. Hellbent on taking down the Time Lords. What does that even mean? What? Are you... Are <laughs> it's like you saying bound and determined. <laughs> that's also dumb are you okay. arguing that the sense. phrase okay. that we yes. are using i am is arguing stupid? that phrase makes no sense talk to the person who made it like they're dead what? yeah they're definitely i'm sure they're dead yeah they're dead well, first of all it was probably Welcome to this week's episode combined uh, has feelings yeah anyways that's dumb <laughs> but also i did not get that at all it's like what? oh he's hell bent on taking down the time that wasn't even really what all he was doing, he was just, that he was went after Rassilon, and then he was also trying to get Clara back. This was like, kind of, he, he was wanting two different things. No, because then he, he said, was. now I'm sending out, the like, council the council well. will be on the next ship. Yeah, they're on the next shuttle off. And and I, I, I don't know, Corbin, I, I, I agree with you. When he begins the episode, he's like... There, you know, like he tells the little kid, actually the end of the last episode, tell, tells the little kid, you know, go and tell him that I'm here and then I know what they did and I came the long way around and all this kind of stuff. And, and he's just out for revenge, partly because they locked him away for four and a half billion, billion years and partly because yeah. they 
in trying to get him locked up there, they ended up responsible for Clara's death. Yeah. Right. So he is out for revenge, but you're right, Corbin, the revenge plot kind of gets subsumed under and tangled, tangled amongst his plot to get Clara back and, yeah. and to, to, to I save mean, her beyond saving. It's literally only like the first 10 minutes of the episode that there even is the revenge plot. And then right. it's just solved right, I'll give you magically suddenly. And then the plot entirely shifts. To Wait, be, it's solved. Well, not salt. He gets his revenge. And then the plot entirely shifts. Is the, re- the revenge it. just that he kicked Rassilon off the planet? Yeah, I would okay. assume yeah. that's what it was. Cause I, and, and, and I think you're trying to give the benefit of the doubt. And I would just say, I don't even know if I like that as like counting that as resolution. Because yeah. you're right. The, the revenge part of it just seemed to sort of evaporate <laughs> into nothing. He didn't and now solve we're dealing, the problem. Yeah. And he now we're revenge. dealing with the, now we're dealing with the let's save Clara thing. I don't know. It just, it, it, it seemed weird. It seemed very, okay. So here's the thing. Jared emailed me his segment for this week and he's like, Oh man, we're back on Gallifrey. Yes. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I think that means more to classic who fans because in classic who you spent time on Gallifrey, all Gallifrey has ever been, by the way, did you see Clara's reaction when he says we're on a different planet, my place? And she's like, wait, Gallifrey. And she's like, it'd be like saying we're in Oz. You know, it's like this mythical place that she's heard yeah. of that supposedly was destroyed. So how are we here? And I feel like for New Who fans that are, you know, came to Doctor Who through New Who, Gallifrey, I don't think, carries as much weight. And the yeah. time the Time Lords are more, to me, they're more of an oddity. Yeah. Like whenever they show up, it's just them fighting with the Doctor. Hmm. And I feel like there was a little more to it than that. Not a lot, <laughs> but a little bit more mm-hmm. to it than that in Classic Who. So I never get as excited when we're on Gallifrey. And so I feel like the beginning of the episode where like, you know, the townsfolk are watching him eat soup. (laughs) What? And then there's the ship and then the president shows up and, you know, it's it's all of this. They tried to make it seem very heavy, but I didn't buy it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So Corbin, I, I agree with you. I think that they, that they, they rushed through the revenge bit. Maybe it's because they had to get to the other parts. It's not even like it was rushed. It was like it was incomplete. It yeah. Was okay. Just so yeah. That's weird. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're saying that. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. I, I agree. Under Jiggery Pokery, uh, the TARDIS. So first of all, uh, Riggsy's graffiti was still present. Uh, so this is all the way at the end of the episode. The doctor finally yeah. gets back to his TARDIS. At, by the way, after four and a half billion years. He gets back to his TARDIS, mm. but it's it's still got the graffiti because for the TARDIS, you yeah. know, no time has passed. It's been like a week, you know. Uh, so Riggsy's graffiti was still present, but it couldn't or didn't materialize, dematerialize with the TARDIS. Now, the Wikia pointed out, it reminded me of this, that this we've seen this happen before with posters on the TARDIS in Vincent and the Doctor. Y'all remember that? Some no. Some posters had gotten plastered all over the TARDIS. And he literally had to take his key and slice through him to open the door. And he takes Vincent into the future to see his art exhibit. And when the TARDIS lands, there's posters like burning off of the TARDIS and floating away. So it's not even the same. It's not the same. No. No. In that case, they were, it's like, you know, they were glued to the TARDIS 
And so they went through the time vortex and got burned up in the time vortex, which ties more into what you brought up, Corbin. First of all, I thought of a different example <coughs> than the one That's, I yeah. mentioned to you, which is they went through episodes with an arrow sticking through the front door. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, just huh. and you can argue, oh, like up. it was inside the door. But if you think about the fact that the TARDIS is a metal tube, it doesn't make sense that it was <laughs> able to stick through it anyways. But then Jack Harkness, I called him John yesterday because that was the actor's name, but Jack Harkness oh. <laughs> rode through the time yeah. vortex on the TARDIS. Yeah. Presumably dying over and over again. Yeah, like it's implied he dies in there, but it's not like he tried to grab it and then it just dematerialized and he wasn't able to like get it a wasn't able grip to on it or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so it's weird that uh, posters that were glued on and a dude who was hanging on were able to maintain contact, whereas paint that you would think has a more of a chemical bond with it than even the glue would. It's like the tar is disappeared. But, like, all the rest of the stuff was just there, so it just fell yeah. down. So it's one of those things that's, like, if that was the first time something like that had happened, it would be like, oh, oh cool, yeah, right? Because it wasn't cool. part of the TARDIS, so it couldn't go with it. But it But was. we've had these other examples. Yeah. I didn't even think about the arrow. You mean there's inconsistencies in Doctor Ooh. What? This is just a really weird thing to be inconsistent about, though. Like, If you hadn't have mentioned it, I totally would have not gone, oh, that doesn't make sense. I, I don't think I would have either. I like I bought into it. But then when yeah. you pointed that out, I was like, wait a minute. And then I was reading the Wikia and it pointed out the posters. I was like, wait a minute, because they, they didn't fall to the ground. They yeah. went through the time vortex and got burned up. So <clears throat> yeah, it, was, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. So uh, the Sonic Screwdriver, um, after two seasons of being told he has an ugly face and bad eyebrows <laughs> and not having his own Sonic to show for it, he finally got his own Sonic yeah. Screwdriver. I'm so sad. That why does why does he get this in his third yeah. and final season? I I don't I don't understand it, but I will say it's awesome. <laughs> Corbin, did you say it was like making up for lost time, basically? Yeah, I guess because <laughs> it's like I mean, it was rotating, blinking lights, and he was like, "Oh yeah. gosh, like what in the world is going on?" Um, I've seen a uh, you know like a toy version of that thing, and I've seen toy versions of of all of them, yeah. and that one is to me. A, I, I would have a hard time if you if you offered me the choice between that one and Elevens. I would have a hard time. Yeah. Um, but but Twelves is definitely definitely up there among the the top. Um, they they all put um, nine and tens to shame. I'll say that. <laughs> or not they all those two. Um, okay, so one last thing under um, under our checklist here is uh, sort of the on again off again checklist item: the march towards thirteen. So I mentioned that we would be talking about the general's regeneration again. The the uh, regeneration that we saw in this episode was the uh, makes the general the first to regenerate on screen into a different gender. Now, if you remember, um, presumably to preserve the mystery reveal, the master regenerated into Missy off screen. Right. So we've seen we mentioned back then that it's the first, you know, like. Um, so we had the, the, the Corsair was referenced as having been a man sometimes and a woman sometimes. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. Eleven mentioned that. Man or woman, he always gets, you know, always ends up with the same tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, Missy becomes the first Time Lord that we see 
in two different arc incarnations that are different genders. Now we have the first on screen, we watch it happen. And there was actually mm-hmm. even a moment of reaction from, uh, I forget his name now, but the other Time Lord, the, the guard guy, um, he comes in, you know, uh, uh, we got a situation down in tube A or whatever it was, you know, regeneration in progress. And then he says, are you okay, sir? And then she looks up and he goes, oh, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> and she, what does she say? Do y'all remember her response? No, not at all. She said, yeah. oh, back to normal, eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. So apparently yeah. the Wikia interprets this to mean that the 11th incarnation, the one that we've, Ken Bones, is the only male incarnation. Huh. They assume yeah. that she had 10 female incarnations and then him. And then uh, the, the 12th incarnation, she says, back to normal. So that would, that kind of sounds like, yeah, yeah that, 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 that checks out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, certainly not more than two or, yeah. um, you know, even three, but, um, but yeah, it, it kind of makes sense there. Now, apparently the first live gender swapping regeneration actually happened on an audio adventure called the black hole two weeks before hell bent aired. So this was, a uh, one of the, the big finish audios. You had a time Lord regenerate from, uh, regenerate and swap genders. I don't even know if it was male to female or female to male. Swap genders, and it happened in the episode. So that's technically the first one to happen live. Yeah. But this was the first one on screen. And again, that's that's usually where we take our cues, not so much from the comics and, and the big finish audio. Uh, so let's see. Other stuff we noticed. I wrote down in the notes, was that the diner from The Impossible Astronaut? Yeah. And then, yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> the doctor confirms it. What were we going to say, Corbin? Oh, except apparently it was in the wrong place oh yeah it was across town or across yeah. the street or or something like that yeah i had uh i had forgotten all about that i had forgotten i i remembered the reveal that a you know car was going to be in there and that b if you know oh it's a tardis yeah. i remembered that i did not remember it being the same diner so when he walked in there i was like wait a minute and especially <laughs> with it being in nevada I thought it was interesting. It was it was still in Nevada, but just on the wrong side of a different street, yeah, or something like wh- why yeah. why was it that close but not all the way? I don't know. Now, when the doctor first enters the diner, I I recognized, and I think Trip, you and I kind of made eye contact when the song "Don't Stop Me Now" was playing on the jukebox, and I was like, or not on the jukebox on the on the radio, and I was like, oh, that's familiar. Why is that familiar? Like that version of it. But I couldn't figure out why I didn't, didn't, you know, then he started playing the guitar and, and we were off to other things. That was the cover by Foxes that she sang on the Mummy on the Orient Express. Y'all remember this? Oh. You remember yeah. on the Mummy on the Orient Express? Foxes like had, right, yeah. And it was, and remember yeah. we talked about how there was this lingering zoom in on her face and I was like, oh, she must be somebody famous. And then it turns out, yes, she's like Grammy award winning artist that I've just <laughs> yeah. never heard of or whatever. And they had done an entire music video uh, about this, uh, you know, one version that had clips of Doctor Who and then a more orchestral version that yeah. didn't have the clips and whatever. Uh, that was that version. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool because that was, especially with that being an adventure that these two had been on, the Doctor and Clara. Yeah. Um, let's see. What does this say? Oh, Corbin, is this you? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Go ahead. So Clara, right at the end of the episode, she opens that door that looks like it leads to a the men's room or something or yeah the rest it was the men's room that the doctor that the 11th doctor walked out of oh it really wasn't yeah (laughs) so she walks through that door and she lands in the tardis 
console room. Right. Which means that the inside of the diner was still the outside <laughs> of that TARDIS. Yeah. That's so funny. That's I was really trippy. I was huh. I was wondering about that. So yeah, the so that yeah. Cause with the with the police box TARDIS that we that we know and love, you open the door and you're in the console room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um the master's TARDIS presumably is like that. The the one of the things about the master was that his chameleon circuit did work. Hmm. Um but yeah. but for some reason very often he would show up as a Roman column for some reason. <laughs> Which is really weird. So imagine a guy walking into a police. Imagine five people walking into a police box. That looks weird. Imagine a dude walking into a column. That's just <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Just um, opens up a door. What? But yeah. So in this case, you have to you you can open up a door, go inside, and be in a diner, and then and then walk into a TARDIS. Yeah, and then open up a second door. And what's crazy about that is that like. Um, that means that there was a radio in there. There was like there was lemonade. Yeah. There was like stuff in there. What was what is all that? Is well, it because because we've never really talked about the chameleon circuit? Like, is it holographic? Is it telepathic? Because normally in Doctor Who stuff is telepathic. So is that telepathic lemonade? Or like <laughs> you can eat there all was day. Was the name of my punk full. band in middle school? <laughs> Um. Oh no, I had another thought about that. Um, but telepathic lemonade. <laughs> I mean, if the chameleon circuit can make it look like anything, yeah, I can certainly imagine that it could look like a a full diner that you could walk into. That was just, I guess, really yeah, weird. Okay, so that brings up an interesting uh, thing. This is not. Not really a spoiler, but um, okay. So, so the first doctor would open up the door of a police box, and then there would be a camera flip. You know, now you're inside, and these giant doors would open up, and yeah. the outside of those doors looked like the inside of the doors. They didn't look like police box doors, right? And we've talked about that before. And I don't remember throughout New Who, uh, Classic Who, I don't remember if that ever changed. But once we get yeah. to Cla- uh, New Who, for sure. When you're inside the tar- TARDIS looking at the doors, you're looking at the inside of police box doors consistently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that is going to change with the 13th Doctor, and I thought this was a just a really interesting little touch. Normally, you have the TARDIS walls, like you're standing in the control room looking at the TARDIS walls, and then in the middle of a wall, there are doors, right? And the 13th Doctor's, you have to go like one step further. So when you are in the TARDIS looking towards the doors, you see the three walls of the TARDIS of the, excuse me, of the police box. Does that make sense? Oh, so it's more like, it's more like you walk through the door and you're in the police box, but then where the back wall should be, it just opens into the TARDIS. Oh, that's really weird. It's, it's a subtle difference. It's a subtle difference, but it's almost like if you took, you know, because one of the one of the theories is that the TARDIS is like uh, the interior of the TARDIS is like another dimension or a pocket dimension. So the door is more like a portal to an, that dimension. Yeah. That's one of the theories. So it's like they took the portal and shifted it from the front door to the back wall. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's so subtle. And I've never heard anybody else talking about it, which drives me bonkers. 
So I'm sure there actually, now that I'm saying that, I'm sure someone is going to point out there's an entire blog dedicated yeah. to the three walled TARDIS or something like that. Right, yeah. Dot com. <laughs> Trademark. All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, uh, so the doctor says every story ever told really happened. Stories are where memories go when they're forgotten. Eleven said something similar to this. Remember, he said, we're all just stories in the end, really. Why not make it a good one, eh? And then Clara says, maybe some of them, maybe, you know, some of the memories that become stories, maybe some of them become songs. Mm. And I just love it when Doctor Who gets all poetic like this. Yeah. Right? Mm. Um, but that, that was crazy that the doctor says every story ever told really happened. That does really? sort of, yeah. <laughs> Hercules is real. Uh, apparently. Yeah. No, in so some dimension. This. Right, right. And and stories are where memories go when they're forgotten. Well, who forgot it? And why are, why do we get the story? <laughs> yeah. Trans-dimensional or something? I don't know. Uh, apparently, the internet is going to rise up at some point. Yep. Did y'all, did y'all catch that handy uh-huh. little th- throwaway line that the doctor says? Uh-huh. Boy, that was a war. Wait, what? <laughs> and Clara even says, Huh? <laughs> and he's like, no time. You know, like moving along. You know, he also just threw out the cloister wars, which. Yeah. Does yeah. Jared have anything to say about that? Or is that just uh, never I, heard of before? I don't know. I, I don't know that. Again, I, I don't know Classic Who, but I think this was the most we've ever gotten. I don't think the cloisters have ever been mentioned before. Like as a place at the bottom of the Citadel and Gallifrey. Oh, yeah. And the cloister wraiths and the cloister <laughs> yeah. wars. And, and now we know that the cloister bells right. in the TARDIS have something to do with that. Or I don't know. Like that's, that's what it made me wonder was, is the TARDIS somehow connected to those cloister bells or is it a different set of cloister bells? Like, what does that mean? For that matter, I'm American. So what the heck is a cloister? I don't know. <laughs> um, and then somebody, I don't remember who now said this. I think it might've been one of the, uh, the is sisters that, uh, of Karn yeah, the said, hope one. is a terrible thing on the scaffold which I had to translate for the boys, the gallows. Right? Corbin's like, well, why did they say scaffold? I don't know. Um, hope is a terrible thing on the scaffold. That's that's deep. Just think about that. So that brings us down to who's who. So who is a shilder? I keep putting a shilder, and I don't even think that name got said this this episode, did it? No, it, it did. did. Once. Wait, when? A few times. <clears throat> oh, the doctor said, Clara, you remember a shilder? Which I thought was a weird thing to say. I know for him it's been four and a half billion years. For a shoulder, it's been longer. But for Clara, it's been like twenty minutes. <laughs> like she just walked out of the room that a shoulder was standing in, and then ended up on Gallifrey. And you know what? Maybe an hour has gone by since then. I don't know. Yeah, I do think thing when things get timey wimey, they they really get going. Uh, she literally made it to the end of the universe, guys. Like, that's the thing you always wonder about with um, immortals is like, are they immortal? Because the face of Bo, we saw him die. Yeah. Right? Uh, he wasn't immortal, though. He just lived a really long Oh, no. No, but, he was. He, oh, every time he well, The face of Bo was Captain Jack. Yeah, well, if he is, there's still debate about that. I, I don't know why there's debate. It seems very clear to me what was being said there. But, um, but yeah, so theoretically immortal, but didn't but died like and just aged out just like got to an age and tapped out and died um a shoulder um made it made it to the end of the universe um she says doctor do you know why we run and he says because it's fun she says we run because we know the summer can't last forever to which the doctor says yes it can you just have to steal a time machine <laughs> two the actually doctor, well you know then there's that 
Um, we did ask the question, why in the world does, uh, does me know what was happening with Clara? How does she know that? Yeah. There's no conversation about this. <clears throat> right? I, She's I was going to say, yeah. if you are around forever, you'll probably hear about things like that. But it was happening, like, relatively close. Yeah, the only person, time. the only, there's only a handful of people that even knew that the doctor pulled her out of there. Yeah. And how would that information have gotten to her anyways? Um, and then after living for untold billions of years, she got into a time machine to just keep on going. She didn't have a time machine yep. before this point. Like, like the dark, right. the time Lords aren't the point. only people who have made time machines. Oh yeah. She didn't universe. have a time vortex manipulator or something. Yeah. Something, anything, freaking Captain <laughs> Jack in the, what the 54th century. I think. Yeah. Just, just so close in time. He already was able to travel in time. Yeah. And she was able to sustain a reality bubble. I, he was human. She was human. She should have like seen this or heard about it. Like, Oh, and the humans can travel in time now. Oh, let me go grab one of those <laughs> so I can keep living forever, forever instead of forever till the universe ends. Yeah, that 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 is an interesting point that I didn't think of. But I, I love the idea of the immortal who escapes even the death of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like she got to live all the way to the end. Uh, so so here's my, here's my math, right? Um, the the doctor had spent four and a half billion years in the confession dial, presumably from the present time, from 2015, right? Yeah. Four and a, uh, roughly four and a half billion years to catch up with the uh, Gallifrey and the pocket universe. He then goes forward from there to get to the end of in space and mm-hmm. meet up meet up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, which playing chess with <clears throat> herself. Yeah, that was sad. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, who else are you going to play chess with? Um, why are you playing chess? <laughs> why is this game still around? It's been so long. I mean, you know, it's classic. It's not that classic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so she is, you know, billions of years down the road. And so the, the time difference between 1300 something and 2015 is completely negligible when you tack yeah. onto that four and a half billion years and then some. So she's been around for billions of years and then she just hops in a time machine to run away and escape even the end of the universe. Yep. I just, I love that. I love she's the idea. She's older than the doctor. Huh? By like a lot. She what? She's older than the doctor. Yeah. Well, no. Because no. no. the doctor yeah. has now lived oh, well, 4.5 billion years, but she's also. But she lived that 4.5 billion years plus whatever additional time he went forward. Yeah. yeah. And by the time we get to 2015, with the incident with the Raven, she was already almost as old as the doctor, right? She would have been 700 and something years old. Yeah. So of course I guess he was 2000, but anyways, when you add on 4.5 billion, the difference between 700 and 2000 evaporates. It just completely goes away. Yeah. Uh, You could be off by a million or two and it would not matter at all. Uh, So who is Clara? Uh, She says, nobody's ever safe. I never asked you for that. Here, here again, we have her um, basically, you know, saying, let me let me be me and stop worrying so much about it. Um, no one has promised tomorrow, but I insist on my past. So she's about to get erased the way Donna was. And she's like, no, like I, I may not be safe in the future, but I will not lose my past. I will not lose yeah. that. And that 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 was amazing. 
Um, so she's going back to Gallifrey and taking the long way around. What? That's exactly what the, well, that was her last line, right? She says, Mm -hmm. right, to Gallifrey, and then like wink at the camera, the long way around. When the doctor said he went to Gallifrey the long way around, it took him four and a half billion years. So she's not aging. There's, there's nothing, you know, nothing standing and, and neither is me. (laughs) They're both essentially immortal. She knows she has to go back and die. But there's no reason to think that there's a time limit on that. So did she and me go spend a couple billion years traveling through space and time? That's why I hate this. Because <laughs> what? Because All right. the end of the episode hey, implies let's, what the doctor wanted would have worked. She could have just stayed. Right, so let's let's pause. Like let's pause because we do have a can we talk about Clara's send-off? So let, <laughs> let's let's say I I I debated on even putting that note in there, but I did have that question. So, uh, so who is the doctor? Um, <laughs> somebody says you've been traveling. He says, "Yeah, from time to time." Yeah. That was great. <laughs> ah, funny. <laughs> funny, funny. Uh, let's see. The, uh, the Lord President says, "You know what I have out here in the drylands where nobody matters, no witnesses." To which the doctor says, "Me too." And the scarier. president's Back facial up. reaction is just like. No non recognition at all. Followed by wait, what? Oh my gosh, that was that was brilliant. Uh, the doctor is from Space Glasgow. <laughs> so dumb. So I love it. I love it. Yes, Glasgow, Space Glasgow. I love that. Um, they tell him drop your weapons, and the doctor drops his spoon because when he fought uh, uh, Robin Hood in a Robot of Sherwood. He used a spoon instead of a sword. Uh, the, the Lord President says to him, how many regenerations did we grant you? He's like powering up his his power glove or whatever he's, he's about to zap him with or whatever. He says, how many regenerations did we grant you? I've got all night. Now, the interesting thing is, so, you know, he's saying like, I'll kill you as many times as I have to. The interesting thing there is nobody answered the question. And the closest thing that we've gotten to an answer to this question is at some point prior to this, I don't, I, I forgot to write down which episode, um, the doctor says he doesn't know how many regenerations he was granted. So mm. there's all these fan theories swirling at the time that maybe the doctor can now regenerate indefinitely. Huh. And that's how we, you know, so this may have been the final nail in the coffin of how long can the doctor go? Infinitely. Right. For if. Yeah. That's that. So that's where it's at at the end of this episode. Uh, the doctor, uh, not the doctor, the, the, one of the soldiers says, the first thing you notice about the doctor. <laughs> Corbin, read my typo. <laughs> the first thing you notice about the doctor of who. <laughs> the line was the doctor of war. And I was writing it while mm-hmm. other things were happening. And so I wrote the doctor of who. First thing you notice about the doctor of war is that he's unarmed. For many, it's also the last. Oh. Yeah, right. Uh, somebody says to the doctor, this is no time to play. He says, it's the end of the universe. It's the only time I've got. <laughs> <laughs> um, here we have the doctor reminding Clara that he has a duty of care, right? Um, this was this was going all the way back to the beginning of, of Capaldi's time. This was what I kept hinting at and bringing up that we were going to see more and more of this is that uh, the 12th doctor, though he's not, you know, big into hugs and all these kinds of things, he loves you like a grandpa. 
and he had a duty of care. It was his responsibility to take care of her. Um, and that's, that's a little bit more of an old world um, type of concept uh, than, than we're used to seeing and that we have been seeing with the other um, doctors. A duty of care. Uh, he kind of flips out at one moment and says, at this moment, I'm answerable to no one. This is kind of the Time Lord Victoria speech yeah. from the waters of Mars. Um, you know, and I, I find it interesting that the doctor, we, we, we find the doctor in this spot when we're at the end of something, mm -hmm. right? So at the end of his uh, time, you know, before, uh, you know, with the David Tennant specials, he kind of loses it, Right. Um, the 11th doctor maybe doesn't lose it and go overboard, but he definitely does something unusual. He stays in one place for centuries. Mm. Right. Um, and here we have the 12th doctor, like just losing it. I am answerable to no one. And like, I'm going to take down the time Lords and, and anybody that stands in my way. You know? Uh, me reminds us and himself that he doesn't like endings. We got a little reference mm. to that. Um, then we have, then we have, um, I'm going to call this, the 12th Doctor's Regeneration Speech version 1.0. Uh, he's, it's almost like a death scene, mm -hmm. right? But it's it's the death of the relationship he has with Clara. So he says, run like hell because you always have to. Laugh at everything because it's always funny. Never be cruel and never be cowardly. And if you are, always make amends. And never eat pears. <laughs> They're too squishy and they get your chin all wet. Oh, <laughs> That's what? going. I think that's going back Why? to Tennant. Didn't Tennant say something about pears? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think he had a bit about pears. But, you know, Squishy being, and they get your chin wet. Blah, 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 blah. Um, he admits I went too far. And uh, then the last thing I had here was, I don't know why this this hit me the way it did, but he says Clara, Clara who, which is exactly mm -hmm. Doctor, Doctor Who. I just I I don't know the 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 parallel there. Um, just mm. just tickled me a little bit there. So, guys, Noobs in the Whovian is also brought to you by listeners like Victor, Jared, and James. If you, like they do, find value in what we do and you want to give a little bit of value back, here's what you do. Dooby dooby doo. I do this for y'all. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Like, the, the listeners have probably already skipped forward 30 seconds, so they probably never hear this. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I can only hope that they do. So, I just do this for you guys. So, guys, uh, for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can be an ongoing patron for $5 a month. You'd be a second level patron. We, we never did name the new tiers in honor of the 12th Doctor, so it still says yeah. Fez and Bowtie. Uh, but because bow ties are cool, you'll get a shout out on the show. Uh, each week, we will mention your name, like Victor, Jared, and James. So um, you can do that, or you can um, head over to noobsinthehoovian.com slash support, and you can find all the other ways that you can become a supporting patron of family-friendly, independent media today. So, Corbin, can we talk about Clara's send-off? Well, Welcome first of all. Welcome to this episode. Corbin has feelings. <laughs> Punch you in the face. <laughs> hey, we're getting fan feedback. I've had, like, three people uh, mention, <laughs> I can't wait for the next episode of Corbin has feelings. So it's when you really cut cut loose and, and, and bury your soul. That you connect with the listeners. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. That was his reaction. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I was <coughs> complaining yesterday because even before I kind of thought about how, oh, she went the long way around or whatever the crap all that was, like, I just didn't think we needed to say goodbye to Clara twice. Okay. I, there was no, we already gave her this 
massive send-off. There was like five whole minutes where we knew she was about to die. And everyone was saying goodbye. And she was like, it's okay, doctor. It'll be fine. I know that I'm about to I'm die. D- I'm, picturing, I'm picturing hopefully decades from now when I'm laying on my deathbed in a hospital somewhere. And Corbin comes in and goes, dead. I mean, we've already been here for like five whole minutes. Like, I know we're never going to see you again, but it's been five whole minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and then dad suddenly so, comes back. So you, you felt like the last episode, I, I'm trying to remember when we covered this, what, what was your take? I don't think you liked her send off last week. I can't remember, but I not hate. liking it once isn't good excuse to Did do it, it again. <laughs> it's perfect. It makes perfect sense. Also, it's just this new technology has made every single character death completely obsolete. Because as far as we know, you can grab anyone seconds before they die and travel with them for billions of years and they will never die. So that's the thing. Okay. That's the thing I didn't understand. It was definitely the case that. You pull someone out, you get the information you need, you put them back. I was blown away that the general says, doctor, you have to tell her, we always tell them. Wait, I'm sorry, excuse me? You pull people out of their time stream, like at the moment of their death, and tell them that? Why wouldn't you just pull them out and be like, you're having a hallucination, now tell us the secret that you know. All right, we're going to send you back now. And like, why would you explain to them this existential nightmare that they're now? Right, yeah. He pulled you one second, punches the dude in the face, right, runs out right. of the room. Like, exactly. what do you expect's exactly. gonna happen? So, but the thing is, apparently, there's rules about it, and the reason that there's rules about it is because it'll. What was it? It was gonna unravel history, right? <laughs> yeah. But but then, then it did it. They also imply, as long as you go back in, everything will be fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Also, as long why, as you don't die before then. Why was he trying to erase her memory so they couldn't track her? But then he didn't, and apparently she was fine for four billion years. Well, that's us extrapolating a little bit, the four billion years. I but guess. I, I, didn't, I did not understand what her memory had to do with keeping her didn't safe at all. make it, they wouldn't have said that line. So we have to assume... She just kept on living for four billion years after we had this massive fight about just letting her die. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yep. Why, Why did she erase the doctor's memory then? Why did anyone try and erase anyone's memory if... They could have just kept on going on adventures because she went on adventures with a shielder or whatever the crap. And then eventually she went back and she died. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> yeah. I guess it was like, oh, but there's such I, this dangerous force when the doctor's trying to go. Say, I don't know what I'm I don't doing know what with accent that voice. That was. But, like, <laughs> but it's like, oh, one of them has to not be able to remember the other or the doctor is going to tear the universe apart or whatever the crap. Oh, that, okay, all right, right. That's what it was. That's what it was. Now, the, the, the only thing I don't understand about that is that, okay, so you erase his memory. That makes sense because now he doesn't remember Clara. He won't be trying, you know, destroying the universe to keep her safe. But you erase her memory and... 
how does that stop him from trying to keep her safe? Like, I would think that that would make it worse because now he would just still be trying to keep her safe, but now he has to stay out of her line of sight to do it, which is just going to make things more complicated. I I did not understand the erasing Clara's memory plot line. I know that it got us to me because for some reason he needed to go see me to get the neural block to work on her, to work Mm -hmm. on Clara. What was no. that? I don't remember. What was it? He just went to the end so that no one could track them to where they were landing. Oh, right, right. Okay. He did not intend to meet. Right. Oh, okay. Me yeah. didn't and then me knocked on the episode. door. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. Okay. So it, it so that plot point got us to now Clara and, and me get to run away together. But again, I just I like I don't understand what blocking her memory was going to do. And then Corbin, like you're saying, <laughs> she's like well, I'll just reverse the polarity. Okay. What? what? Yeah. So, Trip, what did you think about Clara Sendoff? I think it was better than the original because it had more meaning. Okay. Like the first time, it was like she died unintentionally, but like she was still fighting the doctor, like, this is what I need to do. But uh-huh. this time, I feel, was more realistic because she. She was still pushing back, like, no, I need to do this. But then in the end, she still, like any normal human, wanted to keep living. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But. I, I, I am fascinated by the idea in universe of her running off and going and having more adventures. Yeah. To me, that's, to me, that is the, that is as perfect for the end of her storyline as Amy and Rory growing old together and yeah. dying in you know 1950s New York was for their story because yeah. that's what they wanted that's what they were building towards and one day they were going to have to have that life and unfortunately the only way that they were ever going to get that life is if they were somehow cut off from the doctor and in the same way Clara had to keep having adventures had to keep taking the risk had to keep being essentially being the doctor right mm-hmm. And the idea of someone who lived all these thousands or millions of lives throughout time, you know, as the fractured echoes or whatever, now having control of the of control of where she's going to be and when she's going to be, just just seems right for yeah. for my liking. I I love the idea of the double fake out death that we got last episode. I don't know how it was received by fans at the time, um, but if y'all if y'all remember last week, we talked about how this was the the first on-screen permanent death of a of a companion since Adric, and I had to like, I had we we had all those qualifiers, and I had to be careful. And I even said at, in that episode, I was like, I'm I don't want to spoil anything, but this death, what you saw, was final. And I, I wasn't lying, yeah, <laughs> like, because in the end, she will. Presumably, she's good to her word, and she will go back there, reinsert herself into the timeline, and die, right? So the death we saw was final. There's just a potentially four billion year gap in between (laughs) the moment before she died, and you know the heart, her her second to last heartbeat, and her last heartbeat. (coughs) Presumably, there's there's a there's a gap there that we weren't aware of, but the death still occurs, yeah, because the universe is still going. Yes. So I guess it's still, yeah, I guess eventually she made it back. I One have, last thought. 
I have to mention something completely unrelated that I found oh, okay. so weird. All right. Remember, remember when we went to the end of the universe looking for these aliens that might or might not have existed, and then they started knocking on the door or whatever? Those, uh, remember the ultimate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hiders or whatever. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. when they're... Things that, that we debated on whether or not they were real or was it just the doctors? Yeah. Yeah. When they're sitting there just at the end of the universe and then something uh-huh. knocks on the door, I got such weird, like, it Deja just reminded vu. me of that so much. Yeah. I'm like, these things are completely unrelated. It's so weird that it was like the exact same circumstances. Yeah. Right. What knocked on the door then? I don't remember. They were it like, was, oh, maybe it's just pipes or something. Oh, 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 oh. Right. It wasn't the TARDIS door. It was the... And then when the doctor the opened the door, door, like, it exploded or something. Depressurized. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the Wikia pointed out, you know, like, this is the not the last, uh, excuse me, not the first time that the doctor has been to the end of the universe. Yeah. Like, we've been there with the master and, and the humans that have, like, turned into little flying head drone things or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Utopia and uh, a couple other ones. So, anyways, uh, so that brings it down to our classic Who connections. Let's hear what Jared has to say to us this week. Hello, noobs in the Whovian. This is Jared with your classic Who connections for Hellbent. So, in this episode, the doctor checked how many regenerations the general had gone through before he shot him. Uh, essentially, he was making sure that he had uh, a regeneration left uh, so that he wouldn't completely die when you shot him. And the general replied 10. And so then, then he shot him. So he's like, oh, and, the, and that's when he compared to uh, regenerating to man flu <laughs> or death <laughs> to man flu uh, for Time Lords. So, anyway. The Doctor had a similar exchange in the five Doctors in the Death Zone, but that was between the first and the fifth Doctors, so not not uh, just making sure they each had uh, some space left to go <laughs> for their regenerations um, while they're in the Death Zone there. Uh, so we've got these characters, the Shabogans, uh, Shabogans, sorry, I forget how they pronounced it, uh, if they even said it in that episode, in this episode, it went by so quickly. But uh, anyways, the, the doctor says that people think that he stole the moon and the president's wife, and that's due to rumors spread by the Shabogans, and uh, they are the indigenous people to Gallifrey. So even Gallifrey has trouble with uh, who, 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 who really should be living where on the planet or or uh, have power wherever and uh anyway as we grapple that in modern life uh so which which is uh the the real question is which which is copying which the the show copying reality or reality copying the show i don't know um anyway so they're the indigenous people to gallifrey they're first mentioned in the deadly assassins that's really how this is a classic who connection uh in the the serial the deadly assassin uh, the fifth doctor, he was, I think, the first doctor to be named Lord President of Gallifrey, uh, if if memory serves me, and, and that's what I could find on research. Uh, so the fifth president then pretty quickly vacates the position when he runs away from Gallifrey again. And so once again, we see him reclaim the title and then leave. Uh, so this, this is something that's happened in Classic Who a, f- a few times. Um, it seems like whenever the doctor, you know, brings it upon himself to go back to Gallifrey, 
Gallifrey than, or, or, or the situations bring him back to Gallifrey. He reclaims the title and then vacates it and leaves. So this is, but that's not the first time we've seen him be Lord President. And that's why he could be Lord President, uh, because he's had been it before. So Clara and me in in their TARDIS console room, we see that that's very similar to the first Doctor's uh, TARDIS console room. We also see that the chameleon circuit gets stuck. That's much like the Doctor's, and of course that goes back to Classic Who. I mean, that's a you know little connection there. Uh, and me theorizes that the Doctor could be the hybrid himself because he could be half human, half Time Lord, and that could be the, uh, the hybrid. The eighth Doctor in the TV movie Doctor Who theorized talked about his uh lineage that he could be uh half doctor half time lord he wasn't really talking about the hybrid uh prophecy that's sort of a new who thing but uh but he talked about that he could be half human half time lord and finally we see the return of rassilon i know that's not really the first time we've seen it in new who but uh rassilon of course being a very classic who character uh and is is one of the original time lords you know he founded time lord uh technology and society and i mean he's he's very important uh so but but as we see those original time lords as we've seen through the series not really the best people uh, not not really the, the people you want to represent your race your 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 kind uh omega or omega rassilon uh then there's the other those are the three founding time lords and that's literally the title that he has the other uh they 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 aren't exactly the best uh, represent representatives out there. More Machiavellian uh, than uh, the human uh, qualities and characteristics we get from the Doctor. Now, Clara talks about uh, reversing the polarity of the neutron flow, and that's uh, multiple Doctors have said that, but that's of course a, a third Doctor, most often attributed to the third Doctor. We've talked about that before as, a, as kind of a catchphrase of his. And finally, I love that we had the original Time Lord uh, leader, president, uh, commander costumes with those headdresses and shoulder pads and everything. And I just, I love that they're in there because they're so, like, 1970s, I think that's kind of when they're introduced. We, we really... Um, with the third doctor saw uh the the time lords for the first time other time lords than the doctor and saw those costumes and i think that's like in the 70s it's like okay we've got these leadership sci-fi leadership from another planet you know concept what's it going to look like and that's the type of thing that they'd come up with and it's so totally impractical and no one would i think ever really do that in real life I would think, but maybe, who knows? Uh, but it's just, it's it's hilarious to me, and I love that we they actually brought it back and we got to see it, you know, an updated version, uh, a version for the modern day. So anyway, and that's where I'm going to uh, give my rating um, it, it, because that that's all the connections that I've got. Uh, but uh, I, I, I enjoyed this uh, episode. I thought it was really cool. Love that they went back to Gallifrey. Love the, the classic uh, feel uh, because that, they used to do that a fair amount in the, in the show. Um, but 
uh, I thought this was just, I don't know, to me it was a little confusing. They tried to cram so much into one, it got a little convoluted. So that's why I'm giving it 8 out of 10. Uh, if they had been a little more simple, a little more straightforward, uh, I, I definitely 9 out of 10 uh, there or higher. Um, but 8 out of 10, weird gold headdresses and shoulder pads. And uh, the, uh, for creep levels, the wraiths were kind of creepy. That, that scene in The Matrix, kind of creepy, but n- nothing really... Um, uh, more than that. So I'll give it 50 creep levels for, for that uh, that part of the episode. So that's it for me. Uh, thanks to Noobs and the Whovian for having me on, and thanks to uh, the TARDIS Wikia for help with the Classic Who Connections. And I look forward to bringing you more Classic Who Connections next time. All right, so Jared gave it eight weird gold headdresses and shoulder pads. <laughs> I do love those outfits. Trip, yeah. you, you were saying you like those? They're just... Extra, I don't know. <laughs> They're like so. They are very over the uh, top, very over the top. Yeah. Uh, so, Trip, what's your overall score? I think this was a good one. I liked. I mean, I kind of like that they brought Clara back because I feel like they needed to. I don't know. Like they ended so abruptly the first time. They. I expected more the first time, and this is more of what I expected. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot more lead in to it because, like, you knew she wasn't going to stay. Right, right. Um, so I'm going to give it a 9.5 small universes. <laughs> small enough for you yet? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like this. Um, I, I think that her death and that that story from the last episode were good. Yeah, but I agree with you, Trip, that it wasn't enough. Um, send off enough buildup. And so the idea of her sort of like visiting the doctor and getting to hear, you know, him telling the story, which by the way, continuity problem there. I I realized that at the very end, he's like, but I don't remember anything about her. Then how did you tell that story? No, doesn't remember what she looks like or anything. But he remembered every detail of that story. Yeah. Like that part I didn't get, but at at any rate, Um, all that being said, I'm going to give it nine out of 10 diners. Corbin, what about you? Mm, obviously, I don't like this one very much. And I think I've kind of pinpointed... What? What did I just say? <laughs> pinpointed, pinpointed? Yeah. One of the reasons Edited why... Edited it. Which... Edited it. We get to the end of this episode. And, like, the episode finishes. And the only thing that has changed is now, like the last few seasons of the doctor's memories have just been erased. Like Clara is still dead. I guess she's not on the show. Maybe Mm. she's not dead, but she's not on the show. Right. Like there wasn't a lot of growth for them because we've already had her die and the doctor Mm. went through all this stuff already. And then they just go through it again. For like no reason. And I don't know. So you bring up an interesting point. D- does he not remember anything that they did together? He well, remembers literally everything except for what except she looks for like and smells who like she or is. whatever. Smells like really. He said like <laughs> I don't remember all the important stuff, like what you smell like or look like. I'm like, what? He said smell? Did he? Yeah, he said Anyways. smell. Like so he remembers the 
adventures, I guess, but he doesn't remember the person. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't like that because, again, we get to the end of this episode and it's like, really, nothing has changed because Clara is still out of the show and I guess dead. She's still going to die at the same spot. Yeah. And everyone's going to die, so that's not like a fair thing to say. But like, and again, the doctor's already gone through this. We went through this in two episodes ago, and then we just kind of rehashed it. And it's like, we didn't need to do that because we've already had this conversation, basically. Right. So, so what's uh, your score? I'm going to say 7.5. Ah, oh, crap. I had something. I can't remember. You had a 10-minute argument about <laughs> why I hated this episode. Should have wrote it down. Well, I was going to say diners, and then you stole it. Oh, well, you know. It got stolen. Should have wrote it down. How dare you. Metal tubes. Because <laughs> that's what a mm. new TARDIS looks like. Yeah, that thing looks so weird. Yeah, I love it. Uh, creep level, yeah, Jared was right. There's, there wasn't a whole lot going on here. The cloister wraiths were a little bit creepy, but... We didn't get to see much of them. kind of ruined it, though, when we see their faces yeah. and it's this weird glitching screen effect. Oh, I yeah. thought that made it a little more horrifying for me, but it was just disturbing. It didn't look that good, so yeah, kind of well, that's the immersion. True. So I'm going to give it a 50, uh, like Jared did. Trip. 10. I mean, just that one small scene where the weird face or whatever, I was yeah. like, ugh, what, <laughs> what <Corbin>? is that? <laughs> yeah, 10 too. It was like... Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, Christina had some input for us. So first of all, this is what she wrote November 10th, 2019. So a little over a year ago, about 13, 14 months ago. She says, how do you know when you've been watching too much Doctor Who? By the way, we read this back then. So we're reading this. (laughs) No, we we waited. I just found this. No. So this was, um, this was actually a comment on the original thread with the boy doctor. You guys remember that whole bit? Yeah. He found a uh, a grandpa like companion and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Christina, we're still we're still waiting for the first draft of the script. Yeah, yeah. Just mm-hmm. just so you know. But she posted in a comment on that. She goes, "Okay, so our family dinner conversation gravitated to your last podcast and the fact that turtles make a lame baddie." Turtles? I don't, I don't remember what that was about. <laughs> yeah, I don't that. Um, she says, "I'm not afraid to admit it. There's definitely a creep factor missing. So together we came up with a new baddie." For the boy doctor. Oh, that's what it was. It, yeah, he had a bad guy that was that was turtles or something. He says, we name or she says, we named the species the Tempest Fugit. Does this ring a bell? They are time munchers. You ever wake up feeling as though you just fell asleep, even though you've had a good eight hours of rest? That's because of the Tempest Fugit. They live behind your eardrum, wait until you fall asleep, and eat your time. Sometimes they only eat a couple of hours, other times they gorge themselves all night long. They travel from host to host, carried by the wind, in hopes that they won't be discovered, but every now and then, one will get too large to remove itself from the ear, causing insomnia. The twist is, this baddie isn't an alien. It's indigenous to Earth and is older than the human race. There are always a few time munchers uh, about, but every 673 years, they appear in great numbers, making nearly everyone a haggard mess, kind of how cicadas come around every 17 years. The last time we dealt with them was in 1347, but it was overshadowed by the plague. Anyway, next time you wake up tired, try cleaning your ears. Our family is hoping your family has a very happy Thanksgiving, 2019. So she wrote that so that in context, 
673 years later would be 2020. Mm. So she just commented like a week or two ago. Hey guys, did y'all notice the Tempest Fugit last year? No, huh? Conveniently overshadowed by a plague. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> conveniently overshadowed by a plague. <laughs> yeah. So she called 2020 in November of 2019. Uh, mm. That was amazing. Uh, let's see. Then she wrote this a couple of weeks ago. This was um, she was uh, trying to get this in in time for our episode on Heaven Sent, but because of our timey wimey uh, wibbly wobbly schedule, uh, we're we're reading it now. So she said, "Heaven Sent, what an episode! I honestly can't figure out if I absolutely love it or hate it entirely, <laughs> but I can tell you this: if you are in need of cheering up, do not. I repeat, do not watch this episode. Skip it completely. It is far better to wonder what happened in the one show that you missed than to be thrown into the pit of despair. <laughs> don't even think about getting out." <laughs> Jeez, I don't think it could have been any more depressing or creepy. Between that nasty-looking Dementor-slash-mummy hybrid and the thought of using your last bit of energy to bring yourself back so you can use your last bit of energy to bring yourself back, I'm going to give it 1,000 out of 500 creep oh, levels. Trip. Wow. <laughs> she says, I was left with a few questions. Where was the rest of his skeleton? We, we actually talked about that yeah. on the episode. Why did just the skull survive? As you put survive in quotation marks. The skull survived. Um, why did all the other rooms reset so much faster than the room he began in? How old is our dear doctor now? One thing was for certain, though, his love for Clara. His persistence, perseverance, dedication, and determination to getting out of his personal hell just so he could avenge Clara is proof positive he cared deeply for her. Sniff, she says. <laughs> and whoever put him in that hell should be terrified. Like I previously stated, I'm not sure if I loved it, after all it was very well told, or hate it. Because of how they put, uh, how could they put my doctor through all of that? <laughs> so it is either a 10 or a 1 <laughs> out of 10 doctors pushing a TV around the TARDIS. Remember, he kept taking the view yeah. screen and swinging it around the center console. I thought that was great. Uh, her son Xavier says it's a 9 out of 10. Oh my gosh, those are all his skulls. Uh. In all caps with three exclamation points. Uh, she says, by the way, can't wait to hear the Corbin has feelings part of the next podcast. <laughs> I told you. I told you, it's getting traction. Yep. Join us next week for a spinoff <laughs> podcast. <laughs> did I complain on that episode? Yeah, you did. Well, no, because so she would have been, the last thing she would have heard was Face the Raven. So it would have been you complaining about Clara's death in Face <laughs> the Raven. That's <laughs> what she was thinking about her there, death so. again. Well, guys, that brings us down to the game plan. Next week, we um, are moving into the Christmas episode, The Husbands of River Song, featuring to Tripp's utter amazement, River Song. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> then we are covering Doctor Who the movie. I think I said this last week, but I'm going to reiterate. We're having a little trouble getting this one nailed down. It appears to be on BritBox, but I'm not 100% sure if it's on the BritBox you can get through Amazon. So you can actually just go to BritBox.co.uk and sign up. And it seems to be listed there. And so hopefully it is there. So we're actually going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go turn our Amazon BritBox back on and see if I can find it there. And if I can't find it there, I'm going to go try the actual BritBox.co.uk, which I told Jared, I'm not even sure if we can sign up for that in the US. I don't know if that's like, <laughs> like some countries you can't do Netflix. I don't know. Um, so oddly enough though, it is not streaming anywhere in America. 
Like you just like even to buy, like I can't pay money to rent this mm. on Amazon. That's how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, even the Blu-ray, I was just going to buy the Blu-ray, but the only Blu-ray I could find was region two, which is UK, which means it wouldn't play in our DVD player. Huh. So I'm like, I'm, I'm hoping that one of our two BritBox avenues works. So I'm going to do that this week and report back on the episode next week. So that should give you uh, a week to, uh, to be able to figure that out. Um, I'm, otherwise, I kind of don't know. Otherwise, like literally, I can't even, I can't even buy the DVD. <laughs> so I really don't know what to do about that. Um, it may be time to get a VPN as a sponsor and, <laughs> and make it look like we're in the UK so that we can get BritBox if we have to or something. I don't know what's going on with that. So after that, our Timey Wimey episode, we're going to be covering Philip K. Dick's 1952 short story entitled The Skull. Um, this is an interesting one that I read years ago and then uh, had the boys read it a few years after that. And um, it is in the public domain. This will be this will be the first time since By His Bootstraps that we did an actual book, yeah. like a written story. Um, and I say book, it is a short story, just like uh, By His Bootstraps was. So you can actually find the free book, uh, the free ebook at Project Gutenberg. And if you go to noobsinthehoovian.com, Check out the show notes for this week's episode, and um, we've got it linked up there under Project Gutenberg. So, um, and then after that, I think we're doing the um, uh, the 1965 movie Doctor Who and the Daleks, the one with Peter Cushing, and that one is available on Amazon. You can get it with BritBox on Amazon, or you can rent it for three ninety nine. So, my plan was turn on BritBox, watch Doctor Who the movie then watch the 1965 Doctor Who and the Daleks movie and get it all in with one month's worth of BritBox. So that's my plan, everybody. Yeah. So we will let you know what is what is going to be the best way to make all that happen, okay? Guys, until then, Noobs and the Hoovian is production of Master Closet Studios where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is this guy. I'm Trip. Our production editor is the other guy. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia. Thanks to Jared for the classic Who connections. And shout-outs to, to, uh, eh. shout to Victor, Jared, and James for their Patreon support. You can find us at NoobsInTheHoovian.com where you can find the links to all of our social media, our email, uh, how you can uh, support us, all of those kinds of things. NoobsInTheHoovian.com. Wherever you find us, make sure that you subscribe, leave a rating, share us with a friend. Not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. And as always, guys, my name is Austin. I'm the Hoovian. and these are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're, we're the, the news. And until next time, be safe if you can, but always be amazing. Goodbye. There's some bloopers. Be whoop.